What's up, everybody? Good day, and welcome to Theology in the Dirt. We want to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. We record Theology in the Dirt from Global Impact Restoration Home, where we work to address the foster care and adoption crisis in northwest Georgia, Georgia, the southeast, and the world. As we practice our theology in the public square, you can check out Restoration Rome by going to restorationrome.org. I am not Luigi. I am, in fact, Mitchell Jolly. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> and let's... I'm, what? I'm Chris Hayes. <laughs> You're really Chris Hayes. <laughs> How about we get to some headlines? I, in fact, did start to sweat very quickly in my Luigi mask. Yes, I thought it was back in 2020 and COVID had returned. <laughs> yeah, we were masked up. Well, after a 48-hour search, a 40-year-old man allegedly responsible for last week's mass shootings in Lewiston, Maine, was found dead with self-inflicted gunshot wound on Friday. According to the Maine Department of Public Safety, the shooting earlier in the week killed 18 people and wounded more than a dozen others. Sadly, crazy Matthew Perry, best known for his role as Chandler Bing on the 1990s sitcom Friends, died Saturday at the age of 54. The actor who struggled with drugs and alcohol throughout his life was reportedly found unresponsive in the hot tub of his home in Los Angeles, uh, though the cause of death is not yet known. Hundreds of rioters carrying Palestinian flags and shouting anti-Semitic slogans and Allahu Akbar stormed the main airport in the Dagestan region of Russia on Sunday evening in search of Jewish passengers in a commercial flight arriving from Tel Aviv, Israel. Russian authorities in the majority Muslim area the, uh, Caucas- of the, uh, in the Caucasus uh, diverted flights and closed the airport as they cleared the mob. Reuters reported 20 people were injured, two of whom are in critical condition, though the identities of those hurt were not immediately made clear. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu announced Saturday the beginning of the second stage of the war against Hamas as Israeli forces began making narrowly targeted incursions into the northern part of the Gaza Strip. A limited ground campaign, which coincided with intense shelling and airstrikes and targeted Hamas body traps and tunnels, differed uh, from the full-scale ground offensive U.S. defense officials initially expected. On Sunday, Netanyahu apologized for a now-deleted post on X slash Twitter, which directed blame at Israel's security establishment for his government's failure to prevent Hamas' October 7th attack that killed 1,400 Israelis. Under no circumstances and at no stage was Prime Minister Netanyahu warned of war intentions on the part of Hamas, the post read. On the contrary, the assessment of the entire security echelon, including head of military intelligence and the head of Shin Bet, the Israeli security agency, was that Hamas was deterred and was seeking an arrangement. And those are my headlines for today. Man, that Matthew Perry news was was sad this weekend. I was yeah. a big Friends fan, and he yeah. was great on that show. But, yeah. That was sad. Very sad. Uh, 54 new- years old. It's sad because I'm like, dude, I'm I'm not that far behind him. Yeah, it kind of puts it in perspective. It a does. Little bit. Uh, new data from the U.S. Census shows that around 820,000 people moved out of California and 550,000 out of New York in 2022. They joined more than 8 million Americans who moved states last year. The rising cost of living is pushing people out of expensive coastal areas, and the trend doesn't look likely to change in the coming years. Mm. Uh, four in ten Californians and three in ten New Yorkers say they're considering moving out of state. 
Many of those moving are headed to Florida or Texas, the states with the largest influxes in 2022, although I'm sure some of that is due to them not having income tax and maybe not having some of the same political yeah. views and, and storms as well. There's no Gavin Newsom in other states. <laughs> Did you see him charge playing basketball with those Chinese kids? I didn't in the see video? That. Dude, he just trucked the kid, ran over him. It was that pretty, sounds about right. Pretty awesome. Uh, in the presidential world, Biden's approval numbers amongst Democrats has plummeted over 11 points in the last month, reaching a record low of 75%. This isn't super surprising as his overall approval numbers have been in decline pretty much since he took office. Um, on the other side, Republican hopeful and former Vice President Mike Pence announced he's pulling out of the race as forecasts become clear that his support had dwindled while Trump's continues to hold strong as the most likely GOP nominee for next November's election or, you know, what we like to call the geriatric convention will <laughs> oh, <gosh>. be <laughs> happening. But There's nobody under the age of 70 that's probably going to be on our choice. Well, well, yeah, yeah, not even Robert Kennedy. Right. He's over 70. Dude, he's fit, though. Yeah. Bros in shape. Unlike some of the other options. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but that's my news for today. Awesome, man. Well, how about we uh, get to the show? Let's do it. Always got an upgrade, <laughs> dude. It was in here downloading those songs and found that, and I was like, "That's kind of fun." And it's only five seconds, you know. Voice, voice needed a break. Voice can be a little extra. Yeah, yeah. So. Voice, voice charges by the uh, syllable, and so at ten versus five, we saved some serious bucks. There we go. And you know, cut the price in half. I mean, that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, voice is very expensive. Well, if you're wondering. Uh, why the Luigi and Mario Mass and why Thriller? Well, we're going to talk about a topic today uh, that's right around the corner for us here, Halloween. Yeah, literally tomorrow as we're recording this on the 30th. Yeah. Uh, we're going to break down kind of some of the history Yeah, and uh, talk a little bit about Halloween. And, and I know you've got probably some more in-depth yeah. um, history. And then I've got some kind of some fun facts to add in there as well. Yeah. Um, but Basically, and I think when we talk about Halloween tradition and where it came from, there is some debate on it. It's not something that's there's exactly this, but by and large, the majority of folks seem to kind of agree it originated somewhere with the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but yeah, Samhain. I, I, yeah, <laughs> there's a the the Druid uh, pronunciation is Soen. Oh, yeah, that's totally different. But, but, but that's, yeah, that's okay. It, it's phonetically, hook it on Pahonics, says Sam Hine. The Southeast United States version is Sam Hine. <laughs> Sam, Sam Hine. Sam Hine. Um, and people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts as they believe this evening that the ghost of the dead would return. Uh, to commemorate this event, Druids uh, built huge sac or sacred bonfires, and people would gather to burn crops and animals as sacrifices to the Celtic deities. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, which typically consisted of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. Uh, when the celebration was over, they relit their 
hearth fires, which they had extinguished earlier that evening from the sacred bonfire to help protect them during the coming winter. Um, so that was kind of a little bit of the history. I'm going to let you j- j- jump in just a minute because I know you've got some more details. But basically on May 13th, A.D. 609, Pope Boniface IV dedicated the Pantheon in Rome in honor of all Christian martyrs, and the Catholic Feast of All Martyrs Day was established in the Western Church. Pope Gregory III later expanded the festival to include all saints as well as all martyrs and moved the observance from May 13th to November 1st. Um, and so that's kind of where we got into All Saints Day, and I think we'll come back to that mm-hmm. in a little bit. Because um, it be the fourth, uh, it will be uh, Pope Gregory the fourth that will take it one step further. Yeah, Correct, yeah. I have that. I've got that. You got that one? I've okay, got good. That I'm one. Yeah, yeah. You're like, that's he not esta- in my notes. I have that he established the yeah. Feast of All Saints as an annual commemoration in 837, yeah. but I know you've got more. Um, but kind of, so let me go into a little bit of America. So Halloween in America really didn't become much of a thing until the mid to late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some traditions like telling ghost stories, telling fortunes, dancing and singing to celebrate the harvest, but due to rigid Protestant beliefs, Halloween didn't become something until later in the 19th century as more and more immigrants were coming to America and particularly millions of Irish due to the Irish potato famine. And they helped make Halloween popular in the States Uh, towards the end of the 1800s. As Halloween started becoming more and more popular, there was a strong cultural push to make it more about community and less about witchcrafts and ghost pranks, those kinds of things. Uh, So around the turn of the century, Halloween parties with children and adults in local neighborhoods became popular focused on playing games and wearing costumes. Uh, Trick-or-treating started to become popular and grew between 1920 and 1950 as an inexpensive way to celebrate the holiday. However, the original idea for trick-or-treating came from what was called souling. Not Mm -hmm. soiling, but souling. (laughs) Souling, right. S-O-U-L-I-N-G. So during the Celtic Festival of Samhain, uh, as we call it, or what would you call it? Sowin. Sowin. Yeah. That sounds better. Yeah. It was customary for poor children to go door-to-door begging for food and money. In exchange for their generosity, children would offer to pray for the souls of their recently lost loved ones, hence how this activity got the name souling. A couple more fun facts, and then I'll let you jump into some more deeper history. But um, Jack-o'-lanterns come from an old Irish myth of Stingy Jack. That's, Are you that's, serious? Yeah, 100% serious. <laughs> that's wild. He, he was eternally doomed to roam the earth at night after making a deal with the devil. To guide his way, he lit a coal in a carved-out turnip, inspiring Irish and Scottish people to do the same. When they later immigrated to America, however, they realized that the native pumpkins there had a more ideal surface for carving. Mm. That's where we get Jack O'Lanterns from, from Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack. Which sounds like a seafood restaurant in Panama City or something. <laughs> it really does. They limit your fries, so there's Stingy <laughs> Jack. Stingy Jack. <laughs> um, candy corn was first called chicken feed. Really? Which... I'm I'm anti candy corn. I'm like I don't want to eat candles. I like candy corn. Do you like really? Candy? That yeah. doesn't surprise me. It what makes sense? All you <laughs> don't like Christmas music before Thanksgiving. People wouldn't like candy corn. Makes sense. I mean, I remember eating it as a kid, but but corn before World War, I think World War One or, or two wasn't really even thought of as an, a like a, a people food. It was mostly used for animals in a lot of ways. So they very sad. That's why it was called chicken feed. But then candy corn became. You know, when you stack it together, it, you can like make it like cob of corn out of the candy corn. You ever seen that? Yeah, that's it, it's like corn. Yeah, it's like little corn kernels. No, that, I can't wait to do that. That's nothing I'd rather do in, in the fall than stack candy corn and make it look like. It. I'm just kidding. 
But you're making uh, fun of me. That's what you're doing. No, you probably drink pumpkin spice lattes too, don't you? I don't really like pumpkin flavored anything. Okay, that's and, good. And I also don't get why that has to only be a fall thing. Like people that like pumpkin pie, true. Good you want to eat it in April? Go for it. Right. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, <laughs> today, <laughs> today America spends approximately six billion dollars on Halloween, making it the second most wow. popular holiday in the U.S. behind Christmas. Wow. In fact, about 25% of all candy sold the entire year in, in America is sold at Halloween. Wow. That's wild. That's a lot. That is a lot. And then lastly, just for fun, do you have any guesses on what the top 10 costumes are for 2023 according to Google Trends? Okay, I, I'm going to say just watching college football over the weekend, I saw Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, people dressed up like them, and then I saw I saw a lot of, um, like at football games, um, Ricky Bob, Bobby and Cal Mountain Jr. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that was funny. So I'm probably not even close. So, well, not in the top 10. Taylor Swift, I think, came. She was in the top 25. I did see that. Okay. Uh, All right. But uh, the top 10, we'll start. We'll go down. So number 10 uh, it just says bunny. So I guess bunny costume. <laughs> okay. <laughs> number nine, ninja. Represent. Okay. Uh, number eight, cowboy. Yeah. Number seven, dinosaur. Six was Wednesday Adams. You know, they did the yeah. Adams Family remake on Netflix. Right. Five was Fairy. You know, one of your favorite <laughs> costumes to wear. <laughs> we got to have fun on Theology in the Dirt sometimes. Sorry. Dude, that's awesome. That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, number four is Witch. Three okay. is Spider Man. Okay. Two is Princess. And number one, and this probably won't be surprising considering a movie that came out earlier this year, is Barbie. Okay. Like, or like Barbie or Ken related to the movie. Okay, interesting, yeah. Do you have like a favorite, I don't know if you did much costume, do you have like a favorite costume memory growing up of like dressing up? No, I, I don't, the only time I remember us dressing up is, uh, um, I think I think I put a sheet over my head and was a ghost one time. Uh, the rest of the time we just went up to doors and asked for candy. Yeah, we're not messing around with costumes. Give me some Reese's peanut butter cups, man. Now now that that's the way. Yeah, that's that is the way. That is, if if there was a gospel of candy, it would be (laughs) Reese's cups. (laughs) Indeed, would. No, it it was wild. I think uh, for whatever reason, we didn't do much of much of that. I don't think there was a theological reason we didn't do a a ton of it. We just liked the candy, so we went around the neighborhood, and, and people liked us in the neighborhood, and they were glad to give us candy. So. We were we were masters at Ding Dong Ditch, oh, yeah. uh, and so I think for people to know that we were coming to the door, knocking and staying to receive candy was a was a relief. <laughs> so they were glad to give us candy. It's not like they didn't know we were playing Ding Dong Ditch; they knew who it was. Right. Well, that, that that's a lot less destructive of yeah. an activity that you can do on Halloween. Right. Well, I feel like Ding Dong Ditch was more destructive on us because we just knock and run and just sliding into a ditch and get scraped by rocks and briars and other things. We <laughs> We, we we were the ones actually getting hurt, right? I think everybody else just laughed at us. Probably we thought it was funny. I I, I remember having like I had a cool pirate costume one year. Okay, uh, and then so Ninja Turtles is like my jam growing up. Like that was one of my favorites. So I had yeah. Ninja Turtle costume okay. one year. That was super cool. Gotcha. But side note, before we get back to the serious stuff, yeah. You sinners that call it Reese's Pieces need to repent. It's not how you say it. <laughs> it is, it is Reese's Pieces, right? Or Reese's. Yeah, yeah, or Reese's. And by the way, um, peanut butter M&M's are superior to Reese's Pieces. That's true, because there's more peanut butter in them. There are, absolutely. Which is why the Reese's peanut butter egg is better than the traditional Reese's peanut butter cup. And I like all Reese's peanut butter whatever. 
but the egg and the Christmas tree are better than the, the typical cup. Even better, throw it in the fridge or the freezer. That's good. Chill it down. That's right. That's right. So, what okay, let me ask you: Did you did you read about bell snickling? This is I, like, I didn't I know <laughs> because we all know I was not if, impish. <laughs> no, you were not impish. That's right. You were good. But if you know if you know anything about the office, you know yeah. Dwight with Bell Snickel. That's real. Like Bell Snickel's not a made up office thing. But Bell Snickling was kids dressing up and adults trying to guess who they are. That's a ger- German. Right. Um, things I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. Now I, I'm kind of a little more on on the uh, historical ser- kind of coming at it a little more seriously. I, I I think not that you weren't being serious. You gave us some good history, but there there's a lot of dark history there right. that, that I that I think, which is one of the reasons why Christians particularly ask a lot of questions and choose to not participate. Um, the name Halloween, as you referred to already, comes from the All Saints Day celebration of the early uh, from the early Christian church. It's a day set aside for the remembrance of martyrs. All Hallows Eve, uh, the evening before All Saints Day, uh, began the time of remembrance. Uh, so All Hallows Eve was eventually contracted to Halloween uh, or Hallow in Hallow in. I think that's how it should be pronounced. Uh, if Based on the sound spelling of how they tried to how they said it, they didn't speak English, which became Halloween. My question that that's a summary statement. So I asked a question: How did we get there? Right. How did we get to to that point? Well, as the faith as Christianity moved through Europe, it collided with the indigenous pagan cultures uh, and confronted uh, those cultures, and in that confrontation, established new customs. Uh, for instance, pagan holidays and festivals were so entrenched uh, that new converts to the faith found them as stumbling blocks to their faith. So the faith is spreading. They hear the good news. They become Christians, and 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 they have access to discipleship. They're being taught, and what they're being taught is now confronting their practices that they had beforehand. And it's not just around. Uh, these fall traditions, it was multitudes of other things, particularly the, I mean, the dark forces and the integration of dark forces into regular everyday life. Mm-hmm. And so as those things began to be a stumbling block to their faith, that there was tension. So how do we deal with our new faith? We believe Jesus is the eternal Son of God. We, we're Christians now, and now we're finding teaching that's contrary to what we've grown up with, believing and, and acting out their whole lives. So to deal with the problem, the church would uh, commonly move, and this is not just around Halloween, this is other holidays as well. They would commonly move a distinctly Christian holiday to a spot on the calendar that would directly challenge a pagan holiday. So so sometimes holidays are on the Christian calendar and they were put there not because that's maybe the exact day, but to confront and oppose something that was on the calendar of a pagan religion. Um, so the intent was to counter pagan influences and provide a Christian alternative. Um, but often uh, the church only succeeded in Christianizing a pagan ritual. So the ritual was still pagan, but mixed with Christian symbolism. Uh, that's what happened to All Saints Eve. It was the original Halloween alternative. So then I asked this question, how did that mashup happen? Well, the the Celtic people or the Celtic people of Europe and Britain were Druids, and uh, whose major celebrations were marked by the seasons in particular. So uh, the festival called Sowen, or Samhain, 
<laughs> the Silver Creek version, sowing celebrated the final harvest, uh, death, uh, and the onset of winter uh, for three days because you know it's it things are dying, like right. the leaves are falling. So it celebrated death, it celebrated the harvest and the onset of winter. It's a three-day celebration, October thirty-one to November two. Uh, they believe the curtain dividing the living and the dead lifted during sowing. Uh, to allow the spirits of the dead to walk among the living, uh, ghosts haunting the earth. Uh, and, man, if you start to dig into some of that stuff, there, there's a there's an awful lot of belief that there are places on the earth and there are certain times of the year, and they call it the veil. The veil is thinner between the unseen and the seen worlds, and they believe that. And they and they believe particular, this particular time where seasons were shifting, the veil was thinner, and various spirits move between and, and roamed around. So some embraced the season uh, of haunting by engaging in occult practices such as divination and communication with the dead. Uh, they would divine spirits and the spirits of ancestors regarding weather forecasts for the coming year, crop expectations, and, and even their romantic prospects, which is pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this world uh, that the light of the gospel broke into. And confronted these dark practices, leading to what we've mentioned already. So Christian converts found family and cultural influences hard to withstand, and so they were tempted to rejoin these other festivals, especially Sowen. So Pope Gregory the Fourth reacted to this challenge by moving the celebration of All Saints Day uh, in the ninth century, uh, and set it as November the one. Right, so right in the middle of Sowen. Mm-hmm. And as the centuries passed, Sowen and All Hallows Eve mixed together. People began to understand that these pagan ancestral spirits, particularly as they were disciples, were likely demons um, and possibly not actually relatives. And um, the diviners were practicing witchcraft and necromancy. So as their discipleship grew and they began to read the scriptures, they began to recognize that these diviners are really practicing what the Bible calls necromancing and divining. Mm -hmm. And so... That gets us to the question, then how did all that get to America, which you answered, right? So uh, with the immigration, particularly of the Irish, uh, they began to come. And so you get to the late 19th century, um, Halloween comes to America. And so while the early immigrants may have believed the superstitious traditions, it was the mischievous aspects of the holiday that attracted American young people, apparently youngster and young, younger generations borrowed and adapted a lot of the customs without reference to their pagan origins. So it's like, oh, this is fun, without any reference to what they were participating in. And so that's kind of how we got to where we are today, to the, to the evolution of it getting to the states and then it becoming a distinctly Western American sort of thing mm-hmm. that has now caught commercially. I totally shocked that when you said it was like the second biggest holiday in America. I did. I really didn't know that. That's wild. Well, and even you think about it from the commercialization standpoint, like think what other, especially when you're just driving around, like most right. of the, most of your decorations happen that like outdoor decorations are inside are Christmas and Halloween. Like right. you don't usually decorate for other things. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, but a lot of this, a lot of this history, I think, makes sense as because you, when you think about globally, the there's always been this desire to communicate with, with the dead or with the spirits. Uh, some of that's cultural, some of it's yep. religious, some of it's you know, very dark, pagan, you know, witchcraft kinds right. of things. Um, but let me pose this question to you, and then we're going to get to like later about like 
Christians and, and Halloween, but like, sure. Because I feel like there's a, and, and I'm not talking, I'm not, I'm going to disregard like the satanic stuff. I think we all agree that that's bad. Like you shouldn't be right. doing witchcraft or Ouija boards and things like that. But I wonder where there, if there's a line there with, for a believer having, like just going to a gravesite, having a conversation, knowing that there's not anyone there. Some of that's probably therapeutic. Some of it's for people. But I, I, I just, as we're talking about that, kind of makes me think, like, I, I could see where there's some blurred lines here between, like, we acknowledge that, okay, right. that we, we don't stay in those bodies. Right. We go, go somewhere. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, like, I know that's completely related because you're dealing with, they believe they were divining relatives. Right. Um, now, I've got I've to say flat out, um, I think we have to be really careful with that stuff because, number one, biblically speaking, um, those things happen in the biblical text. Um, Saul is desperate. The, the Lord, the Spirit of God has departed Saul, and he is operating without the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, in this, he's in this desperate state, and he has banished all the, all the necromancers and, and witchcraft from, from Israel. And in this last desperate attempt, he goes disguised to the witch at Endor. And she says, what do you want me to do for you? She doesn't realize it's it's Saul. And he says, I need you to bring Samuel up for me. And she does. Right. <laughs> she brings up Samuel. And we believe the Bible. So we believe the Bible's true and accurate. It affirms nothing contrary to fact. That's what the doctrine of inerrancy teaches. And so this witch conjures, she necromances Samuel. Mm-hmm. Which means it's possible. Now I don't know what to do with that other like I don't know the metaphysics of how that works because I don't I don't run in that world. I, I will say this and probably come back to this a little later. I'm very sensitive to that world. I'm very aware of that world. Sure. Uh, from from childhood early on, I'm very very aware of that world, and I, I'll I'll probably share a few things along the way uh, for the rest of our time. But I'm very aware of that world, and I'm very leery of that world. Um, so biblically, this is possible, and so if we're in that world. Um, I think there there are times and places where there's a distinction between having a conversation with a at a graveside in which we are spilling our hearts. Like I've I've both of my parents were passed. I've buried both of my parents, and and there are times I've stood at their graves and shared things I needed to share, things I needed to say, um, but not with the sense of which I was trying to conjure them up to come and be present for right. me to talk to them. Does that make sense? It so does. Just, I was I was processing out of my soul things that needed to be said. Um, but that's distinctly different than a person who um, either has the capacity innately or has sought it out and achieved it through demonic forces, um, seeking an audience with someone that possibly they did divine. Yeah. And that's probably weird for somebody to even think that's possible, but the Bible teaches us that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it's one of those things that, one of the things that blows my mind when people actually start reading the Bible through, not just their life verses or a selected verse now and then, but from cover to cover and then do it multiple times, they start getting blown away by things they read. Mm-hmm. Like There are spirits and there are demons and there are strange things. There's high strangeness all through the Bible including the divining. I mean, when we read in Deuteronomy where the Lord 
uh, Deuteronomy 18, 10 to 13, there shall not be found among you anyone who uses divination, who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. It doesn't say, this is fake. <laughs> ah, psych. It's like, no, don't do it. They should not be there because it's possible. Right. Like and it, so so because it's a supernatural world and there are really dark forces from the fall and from sin and that stuff's really present and so I think when we're dealing with that kind of stuff we have to be very careful in our intent of what we're seeking what we're trying to do because there is there are there are forces who would like to deceive us with another gospel Paul even says in Galatians if I or an angel from heaven should preach to you another gospel meaning it's possible that an angel from the heavenlies, could somehow teach me another good news. Well, if I am devastated to the point of grief, and I'm not, maybe I don't have a Christian worldview, and I go to the graveside of a relative, and I'm trying to have a conversation with them, is it possible that a demonic spirit could answer you in their voice? Maybe. Yeah. And the good news that you receive from that is, oh, you're okay. Well, maybe they're not okay. Maybe that's what they want you to believe, is if they're okay, live their life. It's going to be okay. And you live that life and you miss the good news of Jesus Christ and his resurrection hope and you go to hell. Well, and I think it's important to bring out to you, like nothing in scripture is there as fluff or right. just, oh, we needed to fill some space here. That's right. Like, there's intention behind that. That's right. Because he could have just left that out. Lord mm-hmm. could have said, you know what, let's just not even address that. Yeah. But he knew that that was going to be an issue, going to be a struggle, going to be a practice right? Um, and something that he's putting in the manual for us to be That's on the right. lookout for. Uh, and there's a, I think, I think adding that, cause I agree with what you meant, like what yeah. you said, like it's important. We read it cover to cover support. We read it all the context yeah. of the entire meta narrative. That's right. It's also important. We, we realize that everything we read is there for a purpose. That's right. It's nothing. It's extra. Nothing can be, just thrown aside. Yeah, that's uh, right. Well, that's an important question because part of part of the mixing of these cultures, the budding up of Christ, the the um, um, uh, Christendom right. with these cultures that it was overtaking, and the syncretism of ideas coming together, taking Christian symbols and putting them on top of a druid worldview, is devastatingly deceptive. Because mm. it might sound Christian, but in fact, the practice is. It's devastating evil. And that was part of Israel's problem. Is It's part of Aaron's problem. We get on up into Exodus where, I mean, Aaron's language is, we're going to have a festival to Yahweh, but he made golden calves. Yeah. And so you can say Yahweh. See, I said Yahweh. I said the I am. Mm-hmm. But the practice is dark. And so it, and, and that example alone for me is gives me enough pause to go, okay, Language is important, but what is the action? Because what you had with 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 Christendom's Christianizing pagan rituals is something that sounded good, but perhaps in its practice opened the veil to very bad things. Yeah. And so I, I think it, I, I think so when you're dealing with death and asking those questions, that because that's kind of what happens. And it's, I mean, that's what this time of year is connected to. And and it could be one of those times when the veil is thinner. They believed it was. And and I have no reason to doubt their belief because if they were experiencing uh, supernatural phenomena at certain times of the year based on that time of year, there's a reason 
they were doing what they were doing. They were just making right. it up. There was a yeah. reason, right? And so, and so I, I think not that we bow down to that as ultimate truth, but observationally, we need to pay attention to those things. Why was it that the Druids found the fall a time of a thinner veil? That's a good question. That's good investigative journalism. Right. Ask the question and find the answer. And I think as a Christian, we're seeking out truth. What, what should I do in this instance? Well, I think I think we should ask good questions and and refine our practice to make it thoroughly Christian. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's go in a little bit about All Saints Day because I think that's part of part mm-hmm. of this time. Yep. Um, you know, again, All Saints Day moved to November first. Um, good old Pope Gregory. There apparently were several of those guys. Um, <laughs> Several Gregories. Yeah. Can I be Pope? <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> that would be, I don't, I don't I know, know if that would be, be cool. I'm I wouldn't want to wear the costume, the outfits. <laughs> I know. I, I would not want to wear that. That would be very hot. <laughs> this is true. Right. Um, the I day- would change lots of things if I could be Pope. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You You would be a different Pope. than I, I would be a different Pope. Yeah. You have the hair for it. Um, <laughs> they would come get me. <laughs> they would come They'd get come me. Find you. Yeah, they would. Uh, the date of November first was chosen to coincide with the dedication of a chapel in St. Peter's Basilica mm-hmm. in Rome, um, which was because it was before it was just certain saints that they celebrated, and, mm-hmm. and this was kind of the turning to we're going to celebrate all the saints. So this this chapel was dedicated to all saints, to all who had fallen, all Christian martyrs all former saints, and it was an attempt to unify the various local celebrations of saints' feast days and set a universal date for mm. honoring all the saints. Christians would come together on this day and ask for God's protection from evil in the world as well as blessings, and the patrons would dress up in costumes of evil spirits or saints in order to depict the battle between good and evil, mm. which which makes sense because you think about how many times you've played, like, cops and robbers, cowboys mm-hmm. and Indians. Mm-hmm. There's always, like, uh, you know, Jedi versus, right. you know, yeah, the empire. Right, there's always a fascination between good and evil. Right, and a lot of that dates back to long ago. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's not a public holiday in the U.S., All Saints Day is observed publicly in many countries. Uh, France and Germany, for example, mm-hmm. people have the work day off and businesses are closed. Uh, in countries like the Philippines, where All Saints Day is known as Undas, or that could have another special pronunciation. Who knows? U N D A S Undas. I did not look that pronunciation up. <laughs> Not undies. Um, the day is, it's not just for remembering right. the saints, but for honoring and paying respects to departed loved ones, usually with prayers, flowers, and good offerings. And mm. um, apparently a lot of other countries do this. A lot of them, they'll bring flowers on this date or some kind of offering. And it's, it's a way to remember lost loved ones, not just saints. Yeah. Um, but particularly in, in areas of the faith. Mm. And then part of this other process is All Souls Day. And that's typically celebrated on November 2nd. And that commemorates the faithful departed. Uh, this day is observed in the Catholic Church as well as the Eastern Orthodox churches. Uh, mm. Roman Catholics believe that the souls of the faithful who are who at death have not been cleansed from their sins and punishment could not attain heaven and are instead sent to purgatory. It was believed based on certain books of the Catholic Bible that these trapped souls could be helped, helped by prayer. Uh, they could then be cleansed of their sins and receive full sanctification to gain entrance to heaven. And the custom of setting apart this day for intercession was established by St. Odilio of Clooney. Not George Clooney. Not George Clooney. C-L-U-N-Y. I got you. Different Clooney. That's fascinating. It is. It's, there's a lot of history there between between those three days that right. really kind of started with one instance, as you shared, and, and yeah. kind of spread to a, a sort of a 
three day mm. kind of thing. Mm. That's pretty good. I, I, here's some things I, I want to share three three things that I think for me. Um, one, um, I from the time I was a kid, <clears throat> I've been very aware of supernatural things. Just wired that way. Don't know what that is. Just super, 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 super aware. My family is to some degree. Have experienced really strange things. So um, becoming a Christian at the age of 20 gave me a framework to put that stuff around. Um, and so I, I want to be very careful because I haven't asked permission to share certain things. And so I'm not going to share certain things. I'm just going to give some very gener- general things here. So yeah. I was very aware of good versus evil um, and very aware of darkness versus light. Um and so you can take me through through my childhood um, and and get me to um, meeting Jennifer and meeting her family. Um, we were just pretty newly married, and this was just probably a month before Jennifer's mom passed away. And so Kay was an incredibly godly woman, uh, and missed having the experience of having the most fantastic mother-in-law. But she sat me, it was early in the morning. I'm an early riser. She was an early riser. And we were visiting from Texas. We were here. And we sat down at the table. She and I was drink, we were drinking coffee. And, and she was. She told me a story. Um, she said the Lord spoke to her when the girls were small and told her to make sure that they were careful to not celebrate the holiday. And gave her some very specific reasons to do it. And so the girls never celebrated it. They never celebrated it in their home. And, and I was always sort of like, I heard that. Uh, I was open to it because I understood some things. I was like, yeah, this, I, I can, and I never studied the history, but I could understand like, okay, I, I can see why that's probably a good idea. And, and she knows you, you're going to be having children with my daughter. And so if we're going to have grandchildren. How are we going to, how are we going to do this? And I was like, that's, that's worth considering. So during those conversations too, um, I was made aware and I didn't get permission to share this because I couldn't find the person to ask their permission. So I'm not going to give names and I'm going to give details, but, uh, in a church, uh, where we were, um, one of our workers told the story of her growing up, and they attended that church as a cover for their activity. And that activity uh, culminated on this holiday, on October 31st, in which all manner of evil and dark things were done, particularly to the girls, um, that include the taking of life, um, the ruining of life, and, and, and bleeding human beings. Um, and this young lady happened to find her way out of it, found her way to some help. And once she received help, that family disappeared, completely disappeared. They attended church as a cover for their activity. And so what I learned from this young lady um, was the dark side of this stuff. And so from those experiences, I have never had a positive view of the holiday um, I can see the mashup. I understand historically in my mind where it comes from. So the left side of my brain, the logic, history, all that connects the right side, the feeling about it, those mash up into some funny things in me. So I understand the history and also understand the intent to Christianize it for evangelistic purposes. Totally get that. Understand that. And at the same time, too, I also recognize that uh, the Christianization of some things is not possible. Does that make sense? Like, Because what the gospel does, it doesn't take dark things and give them a new face. What the gospel does is stomp down evil and transform things, com- makes them completely new. And so what in the kingdom of God, what I've found, at least for, for us, is I've found that I'm super aware of supernatural things and things that contain darkness but look like light. And Paul's argument to the Corinthians um, 
is powerful when he talks about food sacrifice to idols. And he's not making a thing out of the idol. He's making a thing out of their conscience. But he is very clear when he tells them, but I also don't want you to be participants with demons. So therefore, pay attention to your conscience. Meaning it's possible to participate with demons. Um, and so therefore, for, for what I want to issue as a caution to people is be discerning. Be very discerning. Ask a lot of questions. And and by the way, this is my this is for me. This is I'm leading up to my very first thing. It's an error to focus on Halloween and supernatural forces and whether or not we should participate and then forget it the other 364 days of the year. Right. Because it's not like this that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour only on October 31st. Right. <laughs> makes sense. He he does that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And so I want to encourage people not to, by all means, be discerning and, and, and choose from your conscience what you're going to do on this day. However, don't forget it tomorrow because he didn't stop prowling last night. He's still prowling. And, and, and depending on us to not pay attention, like Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, we are not unaware of his schemes. Don't be aware on one day and then be unaware the next. And so make a lot out of this as you need to make a lot out of it, but don't forget that same discernment when you wake up on November 1st. Yeah. So that's yeah. for me a, a, a warning for folks. Second thing I would say is reject any practice, uh, reject any of the practices um, that give you the heebie-jeebies and the creeps. Pay attention to your... When I say gut, I don't. I'm not trying to be a pagan there, but I think the the Lord works. Our our souls and our bodies are intertwined, and if you are bothered by something, pay attention to that. That's often the Holy Spirit um, giving you warning. Be careful. Uh, be very very careful. Be discerning and pay attention to other people that are that are discerning. I think one of the the errors we make, and, and particularly in this, we have a tendency to turn sides into opponents, and I think there is wisdom in making a mockery of the enemy. There's a place to make a mockery of the enemy because Colossians chapter 2 says he's been triumphed over by the cross and Jesus has made a public spectacle of him. And there's maybe a place to take some of these things that we have some fun with, that people have some fun with on, on All Hallows' Eve and make a mockery of the dark kingdom. By all means, mock the dark kingdom. And at the same time, don't be participants with demons. Yeah. And I think that requires a level of intentionality. I think it requires a level of not being lulled to sleep by a culture and just assuming everything's innocuous. Because this is one thing I teach people when we're teaching Christian worldview is nothing never teaches. Everything is always teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and so, therefore, nothing's innocuous. It's either discipling in one direction or discipling in another. And we should never be blind about what we're doing and participating in. And I mean everything, including Thanksgiving. Um, including Christmas Day, right? Just pay attention, right? And so um, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? So that we're living intentionally and on purpose. And um, finally, these are my final thoughts. And anything you want me to comment on? Um, Adopt um, parts of a tradition that you are confident is not inviting the participation with dark activity. So take any tradition that's good and, and invite parts that are good and holy but reject anything that's dark. Um, I think that's, that's wisdom in absolutely everything. It's kind of repetitive but, but a little bit distinct. Um, I think those things are important when we come to this day.
Yeah, um, and and that's kind of what our takeaways are for today. Uh, and you you had three, and I've got a few as well. Um, like, should Christians celebrate Halloween? And and, and my goal is the takeaway here, not to necessarily answer that question. Yeah, because I don't think anybody can answer that for anyone else. Uh, I, and, I, and a lot of mine kind of line up with what you say. So we apologize if there's some overlap here, but I think they're important. So my first two are questions, and then, well rhetorical questions and then and the questions for you to ask as a believers yeah and then the, the next two kind of follow behind that so the first one is uh what are you actually celebrating and i yeah. think this question is important to ask first and foremost i mean so you know, we see churches all over the country have fall festivals or mm-hmm. trunk or treat events and, and one might argue and they, they might argue they're not celebrating halloween they're still giving out candy and people dress up in costumes, all kinds of things. And I think it's so I think it's more of an issue of semantics because uh, one could argue it's not really any different than Christians who celebrate Santa Claus at Christmas or Easter Bunny, you know, not solely, but just in, in, in addition. So I don't think it's sinful to enjoy social and cultural norms that are around secular holidays, per se. Or American customs, as long as there's not too much of an emphasis put on things like witchcraft, evil, uh, demons. You know, it's kind of like I'm, I'll, you know, I'll let my daughter wear costumes, but I'm not going to let her wear a witch costume or a devil costume. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not to say that that that's not a judging statement to anyone who does it. That's just a personal thing. It's like yeah. there there are going to be limits, and there yeah. are going to be things we're not going to. I'll judge celebrate. them for you when you're done. <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> I have a little bit different perspective, and I think that's okay. Now, I do. I think that's yeah. okay. I, yeah. But I, but I, all that to say, yeah. And and that's part of the point here is it's really it's an issue of the heart, mm-hmm. and it's really about what is your heart doing, but also being careful that that you're not assuming your heart is saying one thing, but your actions are not following through with that. I right. think there's a difference there too. Mm-hmm. Um, the second question, a second takeaway here is what is your personal conviction? And I ask this because I think we often feel cultural and social pressure to participate in customs yeah. and celebrate. Like we, everyone mm-hmm. else is doing it. My, my, right. If you live in a neighborhood and everyone is decorating and doing trick or treat. Right. <laughs> one of the things when Addison was born, we, you know, she was a baby and, and, because she was born in August, so she was only a few months old at that first Halloween. So we put a sign on the door that says, please don't knock, don't ring, you know, like we got a sleeping baby. It's, right. And I did that for about four or five years. I just put a sign <laughs> up says, please don't. Because yeah. I was like, number and just to, to be yeah. honest with people, they're like, why well, he doesn't celebrate Halloween? I, I like some of the activities around it. Frankly, I don't want to go spend $50 on candy just to hand it out to other people. <laughs> right. Maybe that's just the wrong way to do it. Right. But, you know, I'm so. And a little bit of a side trail. So I grew up in a church that every Sunday close to the 4th of July, we yeah. would sing like American type songs, America the Beautiful. Some of them are in the hymnal, mm-hmm. Baptist hymnal, if you go and look, you know. And they even mentioned God. And they, we would do like the Armed Forces medley and have people who served in those branches stand during their fight song portion. And I never saw that as like sinful or like wrong, but there was always something in me. And I'm, this is coming back to the personal conviction thing that was like right. – I just never understood why we did that, like in a worship service at church. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't mean that to condemn. I know sure. a lot of churches do that. So I think Halloween can be a little bit similar. If you're strongly convicted not to participate, I think you should follow that conviction. Mm-hmm. And and I think you you gave some good reasons why there too. Like, mm-hmm. and I think it's a personal things. Some people have good good feelings and good memories around that. Others don't. Um, but I think as long as you're not worshiping Satan or the occult or or anything that might look that way, I think they're um, more than likely that's probably fine. But again, it comes down to the heart. It comes down to what you're pursuing. Um, number three, perhaps that's an opportunity for fellowship, community, or even the gospel. And I know that may sound weird because of the commercialization of Halloween, but and they often focus on things being scary, frightening, 
talking about death, those kinds of things. But I think mm-hmm. there's an opportunity, just like in all things, to represent Christ well. So just like in anything you do, um, you know, whatever, like Lawson says, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But it might be a great time to spend time with neighbors and friends and family and um, enjoy that community. And then finally, know that there are alternatives. I think we know. I think this has become really popular. Yeah. Um, we focus on All Saints Day, uh, or maybe that's an option. Just instead of doing Halloween, focus on a saint, like we've done it um, at church in the past, and you know, pick a different hero of the faith each year, learn about them, maybe do something together as a family or a small group that's related to that person. Mm-hmm. Just like just like Valentine's Day has uh, was it so Singles Awareness Day, and you might do something like that. That's an alternative. Singles Awareness, and that's day. A, probably that's a bad awesome. example. But like you know, sometimes <laughs> you can find alternatives to do something right. around those holidays where everyone's doing something right. that may not be Halloween specific. Uh, you can attend a mm. fall festival or go to like a pumpkin patch mm. kind of farm place. Yeah, um, go do a trunk or treat. You know, my my daughter's school does a trunk or treat. A lot of churches do that, where you know they're still mm-hmm. giving out candy and they dress up. But it's it's a safe place. There's no, they're not doing weird, you know, evil right. things. Um, but ultimately, it's been it's another holiday that's been secularized. I think my last thing today, and I'm gonna give back to you because I know you have some more thoughts. Is I think we've got to be careful because when you start thinking about the occult or you start thinking about demons or supernatural, like there's just a natural. I don't, fascination, maybe that mm-hmm. I think it is. I mean, I think we yeah. watch, we watch shows, we watch movies. That there, there's something about those things that are fascinating to us, and maybe it's because we don't understand them, but we know that they're real. Yeah, and so I think that's to me that's where the caution really needs to come. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be like, well, I don't believe in that stuff, but it doesn't mean that you're not intrigued by it. Right. And once you start kind of going a little bit, it's <laughs> another bad example, but when we think about Star Wars, like the reason that the dark side was so appealing right. was because there were things of like, you know, they mm-hmm. tried to convince, um, you know, they could, you could, he could bring life, people back from life or right. from death. Right. And so there's just that little bit of fascination that's like, I know that's wrong, but man, I'm really curious about it. Yeah. And so you start pursuing that yeah. even just a little bit it can turn into other things. And so I think that's, that's mm-hmm. an important piece that I just wanted to add. Cause I think for me, like, I, cause I, yeah, that's fascinating. There's yeah. some interesting things. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not a big like ghost, you know, right. or like seance kind of person, but there are some other aspects mm-hmm. of what we've talked about that are very interesting. And, and like, I want to go read up cause I'm like, Oh, I want to learn more about that. Cause that's interesting. Not in a good way, but it's interesting yeah. where my brain's just like, that's that's some, there's something there. Absolutely, and I, I think I think what we have is is we have a um, we don't know another time in history unless you read about it of of non naturalism as a worldview. So we're innately skeptical of anything that's not physical. Yeah, um, that's kind of how we've been wired. That um, in, in fact, uh, the scientific method is is it completely an empirical uh, pursuit? There's nothing wrong with it. It's good. They're in empirical realities we can pursue in the created world. The problem with that is you can't measure the unseen. There is no empirical evidence except experience when it comes to the unseen supernatural reality of the world around us. And so so what we have a tendency to do, and there, there are two things here, there are charlatans who take advantage of that and, and abuse it because there, there are fakes who fake that stuff and, and suck people in. There, there are fake television shows. There are all kinds of fake things, but but the fate doesn't change the fact that it's real, that yes. we're that we're more than just stuff. So 
number one, as a Christian from a Christian worldview, from the biblical worldview, there we're more than just stuff. Supernatural world is real, and and so and so it's not to be trifled with, but it is to be understood. And what I'm thankful for is there's an awakening, particularly in the evangelical world, of Christians seeking biblically. If this is real, how am I supposed to integrate this into my living? It's fascinating, and I'm I'm absolutely taken by it because I've lived in this world my whole life. I've been super aware of this, um, whether it's an innate wiring or whether or not it was the family I came up in, which I think there's, some of those are kind of crossed up there. Um, I've been very aware of this world. And what I find fascinating about it is that the book of Hebrews says, for a little while we were made lower than the angels. So, so there's a component of, of them having supernatural capacities, this demonic, angelic world that we don't possess. And so, and so we can be deceived by them. And, and John even says to test the spirits. First John chapter 4, verse 1, test the spirits to see whether they're from the Lord. So there's a component of us needing to test spirits. Like, is that from the Lord or is that dark? He said, any spirit that doesn't confess Jesus come in the flesh is not from God. And so there's a component of being able to interact there to find out whether or not this this entity or these this this vibe will adhere to the good news meaning i have to be capable of interacting with it like the implication on what john says there is i need to be able to know believe and interact with that world in such a manner that i can test it and see whether or not i should be a participant in it or reject it and so I think for most Christians out there, that is so foreign of a concept that most will hear that and completely reject it outright. Just run from it. And, and so what I want to say to people is get in your Bible and let it speak to you because don't be afraid of your Bible. Let it talk. If we are Christians that believe every word of the Bible, let it speak and let all the implications fall on you because that's how you take on a Christian worldview. That's how you start to view all of life with the lens of the Bible on top of your eyes is you start to see, oh, the Bible actually says that's possible. So if it's possible, then I need to be aware of it. And if I need to be aware of it, then what do I need to be aware of? And when I start becoming aware of it and have this experience, like what am I supposed to do with that experience? Is that true? Is it untrue? Is it right? Is it wrong? What part of it was wrong? What part of it is right? What part of it right? Part of it wrong? Like you got to dig into those things. Mm-hmm. And when we get into this world of dealing with the supernatural realm, and it's it really does, it really does matter and so i just want to encourage people to get into your bible and let it talk and then let it inform your convictions and then and then stand on them we you know i said i would judge (laughs) i would judge people for you i would say reject anything that has anything to do with death blood witchcraft sorcery reject it outright don't let it in your house keep it far from you uh put an x on it burn it if you have to but when god said to kill them and stone them he wasn't kidding and so there's a component. I'm not advocating for uh, theonomy or and the law of the Old Testament coming, becoming civil law, but there's a component of if it's got something to do with witchcraft, you need to get rid of it. You put a sword in it. Yeah. Don't let it near you because those entities are real. What I find fascinating is that in my experience in working around the world where uh, a uh, fear-power worldview reigns in an animistic culture, uh, the demonic is much more overt and in your face and even audible. When you come back to a place that's more um, law, logic, um, they're no more active than they are in the animistic place. They're just smart enough to disguise themselves better. Yeah. And so what you end up having is is the demonic disguised as logical thought patterns more than the voice that comes at you overtly in the middle of the night. 
And so, and so I know that's probably strange for people to, to hear, but that's true. And you can talk to people who've lived, like uh, folks in our church who've lived and work in work in animistic cultures, and they come back and live here, will tell you, they will express that. They will say that explicitly. And I've experienced that explicitly. And so what I find fascinating about where we are now is our worldview is shifting. We're in a transition period in regard to worldview. Um, the supernatural is coming hard and fast back into the evangelical world. And I would say this, it's not like it's just now coming, we're just discovering. Uh, naturalism died 25, 30 years ago in the public square. Um, educationally, and for those of us who are logic-oriented, we're just now discovering that it died. Ghost shows, all that stuff's been going on a long time. Right. And and what's beginning to happen is we're just becoming aware that it's now become mainstream and it's beginning to seep its way into pop culture. And so what I would say is what one of the things we want to do in this podcast is at least bring this to our people's awareness. Be aware. This stuff is real. And we want to have some fun with it. We put on our mask, but at the same time we want to let people know that this is already part of mainstream culture. Nobody's afraid to talk about UFOs. Nobody's talk, afraid to talk about demons. Nobody's afraid to talk about ghosts. Right. It's already being talked about. The question is, as Christians, will we be equipped with the Bible to think about it well and evaluate our practices? I get, in the Jolly household, we never celebrated it. We always celebrated All Saints Day. And our experiences and the things I shared with you are some of the reasons we didn't. Yeah. Um, the boys always, we, we, we kept a bucket of dress up stuff, but not for Halloween for every day of the year because boys like to now boy dress up. Not like they didn't have any fairy stuff. Like you call me a fairy, but <laughs> but it wasn't any fairy stuff. There's no Tinkerbell. Right. But we kept things like cowboys, Indians, um, Narnia characters, Lord of the Rings characters, knights. So there was swords. Like the boys have always had weapons of some sort. They've always had something to dress up into play, and we got. We got pictures of them, and you you guys used to keep them some for us. Yeah. They would play cowboys, Indians, boots, guns, because kids like to play, like to dress up and play. So we dress up wasn't like an October thirty first thing; it was an everyday thing when they were little, when they yeah. weren't in school. Go 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 play out in the yard, and, you know, kill some dragons, slay some dragons, you know, take the bad guys, whatever you were, whatever they were doing, and and so we we didn't participate in that um, because we didn't. We were very, we, that was just the choice we made from experiences we had. But it wasn't a limit, like, you can't dress up. I'm going to do that. We right. would always go have, so they would have fun. And, and there was never a lack of candy. Like, we gave candy. That's why I like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And so we just gave it around things that did not invite them into a dark place. And that doesn't mean the enemy didn't come at us. The enemy still came at us. Right. Which is why my takeaway number one is don't think that if I just avoid October 31st, everything's good and not let my guard down on November 1st. No. The enemy's going to come at you January 22nd. I don't know if that's a day. I don't know if there's a holiday on January 22nd. <laughs> I'm just Everybody's it. checking their calendars. Yeah, what happens on January 22nd? <laughs> yeah, it might be January. Yeah. It could be July the 15th. Like the enemy, there is not a time the enemy won't come at you. So don't think that if your guard's up on Halloween, everything's going to be okay. No, it won't be. I think it's also important to say, just on uh, in light of that, it's also just because you kind of wrap something up in a nice churchy bow or, or Christian yeah. wrapping doesn't make it not dangerous. Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. Uh, especially when we're talking about these things that we just like, you can do all the research you want, but you're not. We're not ever going to know enough to be safe from it. Yeah, that's right. Which is why I think the the mashing up of what Gregory did with these 
with mashing up All Saints Day with all you know and All Hallows Eve uh, as the mashup between so and so and and All Saints Day is dangerous. I think the Christianizing of things that are innately pagan is a dangerous thing. I don't think you Christianize anything. The kingdom of God is what it is. Right. You don't have to kingdom of God eyes anything. Let the kingdom of God stand and celebrate those things. Uh, and you don't have to do a mashup with pagan culture or anything. I would say just flat out reject it, flat out, and 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 receive what if it's true, receive it. If it's untrue, reject it. That's kind of that's our thing. If it's true, receive it. Untrue, kill it. Yeah, uh, I mean that metaphorically. Right? We don't murder people, but no. but we murder ideas. I stick a sword in ideas. I try to stick a sword in ideas in my home constantly, and it's a fight because if your kids are going to live outside of the four walls of your house, they're going to have to. Ideas are going to come in your house. You're going to have to kill them. 100%. Not your kids, the ideas. Yes, don't stick your sword in any first people. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't do that. But 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 it is. I, ideas are going to invade your home, and it's a constant. And I just don't want to invite any more that's already coming in. Yeah. You guys let us know what you think um, about what we talked about today as well. We'd love to hear back feedback from you as well. I think that'd be good to hear. Yeah, we appreciate you guys listening, man. I know this is a sensitive subject for some reason, and for whatever reason, people have a tendency to lose their mind about Halloween and Christmas and, like, get very offended. So I hope you're not offended. We had some fun. We wore we wore our mask, and I couldn't see my notes, but we had our mask on. Had some fun with it. Played Thriller, which, by the way, I caught the world premiere of Thriller live. That's how old I am. On MTV, getting off the bus, Floor Avenue, Rusty Mansell was there. We saw that sucker live. It was freaking awesome. Great Michael, song. Yeah, absolutely. But we appreciate you guys listening. Hope you've had a little fun. Hope you've learned something. Hope you will come back and continue to listen to Theology in the Dirt. We appreciate you guys very, very much. And by the way, you can leave us a comment on there. Uh, you can share the podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. You can even join some of those guys who sponsor our podcast, and we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thank you again for listening. Send us some questions. If there's anything you'd like us to talk about, you can send those questions through theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. And until next time, let's go. Ha, ha, ha.